This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, everybody, here we go. <laughs> there are hands full. I need my brother to get back into town, so he'll be here Sunday. All right, well, tonight, um, Pastor's had a series going on the gifts of the Spirit, and he asked me to kind of jump in for the night, and uh, and so I didn't want to get off of that. I want to stay with the gifts of the Spirit uh, for this evening. Uh, I'll say that I know a lot of people are uh, headed out to some fireworks and stuff tonight, so I'm going to try to stay right on all right on schedule here, and uh, and hopefully we'll be out of here by eight, unless you know something wild happens, and then we'll just we'll have our own fireworks inside of here, right? Am I right? But uh, but we're going to look at a few things. I kind of wanted to open up with this verse, and that's 2 Corinthians 3.17, which is, I mean, come on, a fantastic verse. I remember um, as a kid growing up in Indiana, the big newspaper is the Indianapolis Star, and uh, they had this Bible verse on the front page of the newspaper every day, and I think they still do, and I mean, really, it was so normal, but that's kind of shocking in, you know, the crazy world we live in now, but they got a Bible verse on the front page every single day, 2 Corinthians 3.17, and it says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, that verse is super beautiful for this week because we're talking about the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit tonight. But come on, we're also celebrating freedom this week. And so I think that's fantastic. And uh, and so we're going to kind of look at a little bit. I'm going to definitely you guys are more used to me preaching and getting yelling and stuff like that and going wild and making a fool of myself. Well, I may that will probably end up happening, but I'm kind of approaching it from the teaching angle a little bit tonight. And I want to, um, you know, as as dad was asking me to do this, I I went back to some notes from a message I did a few years ago and pulled up a lot of stuff to look at because. You know, we're a different type of church. I don't know if you caught on to that yet. We're not exactly like everybody else. Uh, they think we're weird, but we're not. We, we think they're weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but, uh, but we're a spirit filled church. And, uh, and there, that's what separates us from a lot of the other churches. And I, I go over this in membership class with everybody. But a lot of times, you know, people are like, well, what is it that is different? Well, I can tell you this much. Uh, you know, on a lot of the main doctrines of the Bible, we preach the exact same thing that your Baptist and Methodists are going to preach salvation through Jesus Christ alone. You're saved by faith through grace. You cannot work yourself to heaven. That I mean, that's fundamental Christianity. We all share those beliefs. Uh, but when it comes to the teaching of the Holy Spirit. That's where you're going to start to see us separate from the rest of the group and uh, and what sets us as a spirit filled Pentecostal church. Now, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I grew up in a you know, our church back there was quite a bit more wild than this church is. We <laughs> we had some running and we had some uh, some dancing and and we loved it. It was awesome. And and those days are coming here. But I'm telling you that uh, that that this is what separates us kind of from uh, the rest of the crowd because we believe not only in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? Because Jesus himself talked about there's more than one baptism, right? John baptized in water, but he said, come on, someone's coming that's going to baptize you in fire. And that's the Holy Spirit. And that's the second baptism. And in the book of Acts, every single person that got this baptism in the Holy Spirit, 
you knew they got it by one sign. They began speaking in other tongues immediately. And uh, and so all throughout the book of Acts, you can study it. And it's there when somebody was baptized in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost, they began speaking in other tongues. And I believe that because that's what the word of God says. And, you know, many other churches, uh, for whatever reasons, choose to believe that that's not so. And you've got to be careful because a lot of times people will base their biblical beliefs off of their own experience. Well, I've never spoken tongues, so it must not be real. Really? I, if you, you don't want to go that route. You don't want to go the route of basing your beliefs of what God says against your own personal experience. Because I've never seen God just yet, but I know He's real. And I, and you know, there's things I haven't experienced yet from the Bible, but guess what? I know they're real and I don't dare accuse God and say, well, that must not be real because I've never experienced it yet. That's dangerous ground to tread on. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8. Here we go. And so I went to a very, very, and I'm not knocking anybody at all, not even in the slightest. I went to a fundamental uh, Baptist high school. And by there's different groups of the Baptists. You got your American Baptist, your Southern Baptist. Then you've got your fundamentalists who are very, very strict. Nice people that love the Lord. 1611 King James Bible only. Anything else is 1000% not of God. Uh, you, you know, and, and, you know, we weren't allowed to listen to even Christian music other than hymns on the piano. But, you know, the, the Christian bands that were big, DC Talk, the Newsboys, come on, you know what I mean? Uh, they, they were bad because their music had drums in it. And so drums are no good. But anyway, I, they had a test one time and I, you know, I wasn't there. I don't, I don't, I don't go around trying to stir trouble. I mean, I can, I can get along with anybody. I can fly under the radar. No problem. But they had this question and, and on my Bible test, I learned a lot of the Bible from them. But this this question was basically like, well, how do we know that the speaking in tongues and the gifts of the spirit cease to exist? And I mean, I had to say something. And so I was like, OK, or, you know, and again, not looking to debate, but if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever, and we're believing the Holy Trinity here, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. If Jesus doesn't change, then why would the Holy Spirit change? And why would he quit doing what he was called to do? If Jesus doesn't change, God the Father doesn't change, and the Holy Spirit doesn't change either, because why would they need to change? They're already as perfect as you could possibly get. And so, absolutely... We're a spirit filled church. We believe in speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and I'm going to try to just cover a little bit of history here for you and get into some word. And I highly doubt that I'm going to get through all the notes I have here. That, that's just probably not going to happen. But, but I wanted to explain a little bit about what separates us from some other churches. Now, people have been speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit since Bible times, right? Have you seen that? In the book of Acts, you see it in first and second Corinthians. Paul talks about, I mean, it's all the way in the book of Hebrews. I'm going to show you in a minute. So it's all over the New Testament after the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, I had always kind of thought, well, you know, things kind of went dormant for several hundred years there because we don't have a whole lot of recorded history of the church uh 
doing operating in these gifts. And, you know, there was I've known of a few mentions of it. But when Tony Cook came here in March, he had a fantastic, fantastic seminar uh, on, on that. Was anybody here for Tony Cook's? Uh, wow, that's good. He had a seminar on the Saturday about the miracles and the supernatural throughout church history. And he shared some stuff that I had never known about. I mean, just dynamite stuff, recordings of the gifts of the spirit, speaking in tongues all throughout church history. And, and it was absolutely incredible. And so I, I love church history. You know, I, I kind of put my nerd glasses on when it comes to this topic because I, 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 I really love especially American church history. And there's been a lot of great revivals throughout the course of the United States. Okay, we're celebrating freedom this coming week. And so I got a hold of all my British friends and said, have fun at work tomorrow. I'll be barbecuing. You know what I mean? We we beat them. You don't remember that? Okay. Anyway, uh, so so, uh, you know, and I'm not I'm not afraid. To, and I'll say it right now. I believe America is the absolute best nation on the face of the planet. Thank you for your patriotism. And I, that's not a put down on anybody else, but I've been to other countries and I'm telling you, man, the people, it's not that the people are better, but this country and the principles that it was built on are hands down. I've been to Russia, folks. You don't want to live there. Been to Nicaragua. I've been to Canada. I've, I've been to Mexico and all, they're nice people in all these places, but Come on, you live in the best place on earth. And a lot of it is because of these revivals that have taken place. And so there's been five great revivals in American history, as I, you know, this, some of this is my personal opinion. But the first one is the first great awakening. Put that on the screen for me. The first great awakening from the 1730s to the 1750s was an outstanding revival. People thought that church membership could get you to heaven. They were like, you know what? I'm good. I'm, I'm a part of the so-and-so church, and so I take communion, and I'm good. I can just go out the rest of the week and do what I want to because I am a member of the church. And so finally, some, some of the preachers are like, this is getting out of hand. These people are living crazy lives and still think they're going to heaven. And so uh, especially uh, a great preacher named Jonathan Edwards preached a fiery sermon that started this whole thing, and the title of the sermon was, Sinners in the hands of an angry God. And he didn't preach it to the people coming out of the bar. He preached it to the people in the church. And he flat out refused. Some of the people were coming up and he said, I saw what you put on Instagram this week. Well, he didn't say that, but he's like, I saw what you were out there doing. I'm not serving you communion. Go back to your seat. And I mean, if we did that today, we would have a snowflake meltdown of epic proportions. We'd get sued. But but this guy was like, I'm not serving you communion. You're out there. No, I'm, I'm doing you a favor. You're going to bring judgment on you. Go sit down next. And I mean, that's how it got started. But massive amounts of people got saved during this period. Then we had the second great awakening from the 1790s to the 1840s. Same thing, except the country had moved west a little bit by this point. So this was Kentucky, Indiana, uh, that region. Just just revival breaking out. This is where tent meetings and camp meetings came from. And it was awesome. And people were getting saved. Then we had the Azusa Street Revival, which I will greatly explain in a few minutes, that took place, started right here in California. 
California and quickly spread to every corner of the globe. And uh, that's that's where we trace our roots to the healing revival of the 40s and 50s. Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagan, uh, Lester Sumrall, uh, just all these great guys. Then the charismatic renewal of the 1970s, which I know my mom and some of you. I don't know if anyone, but I know at least my mom experienced that. And um and so that was really when the gifts of the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit really uh, just came to life and spread throughout the Catholic Church and all sorts of stuff. And it's just really incredible. But what I'm going to focus on for a few minutes here, because, uh, again, I'm just trying to cover some stuff. I know my dad's covering mainly all of this, but I want you to know your own roots a little bit. You know, I watch these genealogy shows on PBS and all this stuff, and I really like to see people's history. Don't you want to know where your roots come from just a little bit as a Christian? Anybody? I mean, you know, it's nice to know where your ancestry comes from in your blood, but I think that my spiritual heritage is more important than my blood heritage. I don't, I mean, I may be the only one that feels that way, but I care more about what people went through to get me to where I am and my faith than anything else. And so the Azusa Street Revival was the birth of Pentecostal churches, spirit-filled churches of which we are right here. And, um, so every one of us, you, you would, you would trace your spiritual line back to Azusa Street. And it kind of all started in 1906. I'm going to give a quick story here, then I'm going to get into some stuff. Please don't let me bore you, but history time right now. And so a young man moves here from Houston, Texas, named William Seymour. Okay, it wasn't this man moved here from Houston, Texas, but it wasn't him. It was William Seymour. And uh, and so he gets hired at a church down here in Los Angeles. And so he's been studying this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and he's seen it in the Bible and people have been talking about it, but nobody had had that breakthrough yet where they actually had received the baptism, at least within his realm of influence. And so he moves out here and he's studying it, though he has not experienced it yet. And his very first sermon on that very first Sunday in 1906, he goes in there and he preaches to his Methodist church, the baptism of fire. And speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he comes back for night service and the doors are boarded up and there's a note for him. You're fired. You're fired. Get out of here. And so here he was. He had moved from Texas to out here and now he's got nothing. They fired him after that one sermon. And so he starts a little uh, Bible study, at least. And people begin joining his Bible study here in L.A. on a little street called Bonnie Bray Street. And and he, he's teaching this stuff and he's believing God for it to happen to him. And he's he's just he, he's he's meditating on the scripture. He's pressing through. And then one day, boom, it happened. He received the baptism of fire that the book of Acts talks about. And he began speaking in other tongues as the spirit gave him utterance. And from there, he began baptizing other people in the spirit. The Bible study grew so big at his little house that he had a group of no, they couldn't fit in there. And so people were gathered out onto the porch and out onto the street. So many people were on the porch that the whole porch collapsed and fell off of the front of the house and into the street. And they're like, man, this thing's growing and it's growing fast. And so they rented a little building on Azusa Street in Los Angeles. And the revival started from there and spread throughout the entire world within a very very short period of time. 
And that was only 1906. That may seem like a long time ago. And the, and, and the grand scope of things, 113 years, isn't that long. Since that point in time, at least as of just two or three years ago, there's over 600 million Pentecostals worldwide, making it by far, not even close, by far, the absolute fastest growing branch of Christianity in the world. There's no, no other, and that's, again, not competing, not putting down anybody else. Pentecostal spirit-filled churches are like lightning, the fastest growing churches in the entire world, the fastest growing branch of Christianity. 600 million people have joined in 113 years. That's insanity throughout the entire, throughout the entire world. That, that's absolutely incredible. And, 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 and as we look at all this, I want you to see some stuff, but that's exciting right there. And because Jesus said, when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you will receive power from on high to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. And so Jesus said, someone that's baptized in the Holy Spirit, they receive a power for witnessing that not everybody else has. Now you gotta realize that every Christian has the Holy Spirit because they've been born of the Spirit. But Jesus said that you, hey, you've been born of the Spirit. Now you need to be straight up baptized in the Spirit. And from that comes a boldness to witness. And Pentecostal Spirit-filled people they're pretty bold. Some of us are, you know, teetering on crazy. And, and you know what I mean? And so here we are. And it, it is by far uh, just absolutely proven exactly what Jesus said right there, that that uh, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, man, you're going to receive this power from on high. I, there's a great just an example of this is in uh, Kenya. Kenneth Copeland has a, a church. He preaches out there. A guy named Bishop. David, I think it's Oladipo or something like that. But his, this guy's church, it, it grew so big in the last few years, he had to buy the soccer stadium of the, of the area. It seats 50,000 people. He fills it up four times every Sunday. 200,000 people per Sunday. That, and, and it's standing room only. How is that? Man. They were, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire and they are just absolutely bold witnesses. It's incredible. And so I'm telling you, when you get a church full of people that are balanced in the Word of God and balanced in the Spirit of God, big stuff starts to happen because when you, you can't keep it to yourself. You don't want to keep it to yourself. You want to go and tell somebody else what Jesus has done for you. Can anybody witness to that tonight where you received that and you got to tell somebody why it is you have the hope within you that you have. And so I'm going to skip over a ton of notes I have here, but, but let's look at first Corinthians chapter 12. Let's get into some word here. First Corinthians chapter 12. I know you've probably been touching on this the last few weeks. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Man, who's excited to be part of the kingdom of God? Who's excited to be part of a spirit-filled church? Who's glad they were born in America? All right, come on. I just got to put that out there. Come on. All right. Too cool for British rule. Come on, somebody. All right. So 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to look here at verse 1. And I'm in the New King James mainly, but... 
the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church of uh, Corinth there because they were a wild bunch. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Well, there's a lot of people that are very ignorant of this topic on both sides. And so Paul said, my desire is that you wouldn't be ignorant when it concerns this, because there's a lot of people that are so ignorant that says, no, that doesn't even exist. I know it's in there, but that's not even real. That's pretty ignorant to say something about that. That's in the word of God in the New Testament to say that's not even real. That doesn't even exist anymore. That's a unicorn. Like, what are you talking about? It does exist. It is real. It's in the word of God. And so that's complete ignorance. And then you've got ignorance on the other hand, where some people will glorify and 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 absolutely uh, go so far in one direction on 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 the gifts of the spirit that they begin to get into some error. And so there's there's ignorance on every side. And I, and I found that there's a lot of ignorance concerning the Holy Spirit throughout the entire body of Christ, because if you ask the average Christian, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? And I'm not making for there's I know some people probably in this room. I could ask you that and you wouldn't be able to tell me the answer. You'd be able to say, well, I know he's the third member of the Trinity. Yes, he is a part of the Trinity. Yes. But other than that, most people couldn't actually tell you who the Holy Spirit is or what he does, let alone tell you anything about the gifts of the spirit other than maybe repeat something that they've heard. And the Holy Spirit is an absolute gift to us that Jesus said, oh, man, it's better for you that I go to heaven, because when I go, you're going to get the Holy Spirit and that's going to be so much better for you. And the disciples are like, no, don't even there's no way that that could be better to have you gone. He said, no, if I don't go, the spirit of truth can't come. And, and, and so Jesus said, it's, it's a lot better for me to go up to heaven and be seated at the right hand of God and let the Holy Spirit be down here and fill all of you people. That's better. And, and if Jesus would say something that bold to us and we really don't can't tell you much about the Holy Spirit, that that's to our detriment. You need to know who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And you need to you need to be very familiar with him because Jesus said he is your comforter. He is your advocate. He's your intercessor. He said he will tell you things to come. He'll tell you about your future if you know how to tap into him and be plugged in and hook up with the Holy Spirit. Do you realize what an advantage it is to literally have somebody that can tell you the right decision to make? Before you come up against that crossroads, people in this world pay top dollar to find somebody that could just tell them what to do. I don't pay nobody nothing. I've got the Holy Spirit that tells me things to come. He's my counselor. He's my advocate. He tells me what to do when I'm having a down day. He's my comforter. Man, you can't buy that with money. But it's absolutely free. Yet so many people, they've got the greatest gift of all time. They just don't know how to use it or what to do with him. And so Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning the gifts of the spirit. And so there's people ignorant on each side of it. And I'm going to I'm just going to look at this list here. First Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Here is the list of the gifts of the spirit. And I'm sure you've, you've read this over the last few weeks. But look at this. Paul says, for to one is given the word of wisdom. 
through the spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit to another, the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues. Those are nine gifts of the spirit. Now, Kenneth Hagin did a great job breaking these down into three categories of three. So three times three is nine. And so there's three gifts of revelation, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits. These are revelation gifts. They reveal things to you. Now, some people walk in these gifts of the spirit. Not everybody walks in every gift of the spirit, as we'll clearly explain in a minute. But there's the three gifts of revelation, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. There's the three gifts of power that cause miracles to happen. There's a gift of faith or as we more define it, special faith, the working of miracles and the gifts of healing. Those are power gifts that God, some people walk in those gifts. Not everybody does. Now, every Christian can pray for healing and stand on the word of God and receive healing. Every Christian can do that. But there's this gift of healing that some people operate in and see miracles and see just instant stuff happen. And that's they're flowing in a gift of the spirit. There's and then there's the three vocal gifts, which would be prophecy, uh, diverse tongues and interpretation of tongues. And again, my dad's going to if he hasn't covered, he's going to do a great job explaining all that. I'm not going to explain the difference between the gift of the spirit tongues and your actual prayer language because that needs to be separated because speaking in tongues is for every single body okay but when the gift of the spirit regarding tongues takes place that's because the spirit shows you at that moment for that purpose but you need to realize that the gifts are only given when the holy spirit wants them to be used you can't you don't have an on and off switch and say you know what i think i just want to have a good old word of wisdom today i'm going to just pull that right out of the hat here and make it happen you, you don't get to choose the gift that you have and you don't get to choose when you get to use those gifts. And that goes contrary to a lot of modern day popular belief. But look at first Corinthians twelve eleven right here. It says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills, not as you feel like it. Because, man, I'd love to just walk in all nine of these day in and day out. That'd be the bomb.com. But guess what? It's as the spirit wills. And I remember, you know, when, when my parents had first moved here, I remember somebody, people from this church here invited them to go hear a minister speak at a different church here in town. And I will say there were some excessive people I met when I first moved to Barstow that uh, they weren't ignorant on the side of believing the gifts didn't exist. They were way out on the other ditch. And I mean, I saw some loony things when I moved to Barstow 12 years ago, just being real with you. And so this, they went and heard this preacher and this guy specifically and adamantly proclaimed that you can choose any of the gifts that you want and you can use them at your own will. Doesn't matter if, if God's flowing, if, if God's in or not, you can choose to use it anytime you want. And so. If you feel like you just want to give a prophecy or a word of wisdom or knowledge to someone, you just go on out there and do it. If you feel like you want to go and, and listen, the scripture has told us it's as the spirit wills. It's as, it's as he chooses. And so you need to realize, and, and, and God has a gift of the spirit for each person. Another, I remember another guy I met when I moved to Barstow. 
he was told me this guy, he swore up and down that this 19 year old kid here in town was his own personal prophet and that he started every day before I even opened the Bible. I call my prophet and I get my word for the day. I don't get out of bed until this kid tells me what to do. He tells me every step to take all day long. And I'm like, because <laughs> I, cause I met that kid, okay? And he, not, he, not all the dots connected. And so, obviously, I'm going to take the word of God over anything else in my life. And if you tell me, if you give me a word that doesn't line up with the word of God, then I'm instantly going to write you off. And you're going to do that? Yeah. Because Thessalonians tells us you need to test that prophecy. You need to prove it. And if someone's going around throwing crazy stuff out there that's not in the word of God, bye. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to receive that into my life. But if someone has a word for me, bears witness with my spirit, that goes along with the word of God, man, I despise not prophecies. I love it. I'll take that all day long, man. Bring it on. If it's in line with the word of God, I love it. But if you, you know, I've, I've just seen and heard the craziest stuff like, you no, know, the Lord told me you're, you know, you're not really supposed to be with your wife. Now you're supposed to go be with this one. I know, but God told me, so you better do it. Something stupid like that happens. You just run, get away from that weirdo. Okay. Get away. And I've seen just bizarre things like this and people, you know, someone prophesying and telling you who to marry and you have no interest in that person at all. You and listen. If you're going to marry someone, you ought to at least have an interest in them. You ought to at least like them. You ought to at least know them. I mean, some, you know, somewhere along the way here. But people have been ignorant concerning the gifts on both sides. And so, uh, and so look at this. Hebrews 2 4. I'm going to look at that in the NLT here real quick. Hebrews 2 4. And I'm going to, here in a few minutes, I'll have to start winding down. I really didn't get very far. I got, I got less far than I thought I was going to get on this. But Hebrews 2, 4, because I'm here to tell you, man, uh, when you genuinely get to experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is allowed to come and do what He wants to do in our midst, it's life-changing. It's incredible. And, 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 and so Hebrews 2, 4 here, just to show you a little bit more that 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 the Holy Spirit chooses God, God chooses when his gifts are going to be used. Hebrews two, four in the NLT, it says, and God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. So right here, God confirmed his word. He confirmed it with signs and wonders Miracles and gifts of the Spirit whenever He chose for that to happen. And He still chooses for that to happen. You, you gotta, first step is you gotta actually believe in it. You gotta actually believe that it's real. I mean, that's the very first step. But the gifts of the Spirit are very much alive and real and powerful. And I've seen them and I've been used in some of them, not all of them. But look at this. First Corinthians 12, seven. Let's flip back there real quick, because I, what I want to tell you, kind of the, the thing I want to close you out with and what I want you to walk away with is that we all have at least one gift of the spirit that God wants us to be used in. Sometimes maybe more, but God wants there's a gift of the spirit that God wants you to be used in. So first Corinthians 12 Verse seven, and any of the gifts are not so you can look cool and look awesome and get famous. It's to help others. It's to glorify God and it's to help other people. 
First Corinthians 12, 7 and the new King James, it says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, I don't look at that in the NLT. Same verse, New Living Translation, it says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And so God wants for you to be used in the gifts of the spirit. You should desire to be used in the gifts of the spirit, because that's going to be one way that you are able to help other people out. Can you imagine if, you know, someone comes to you with their problems and God gives you a word of knowledge for what they're actually supposed to do? And and a, a word of knowledge, that's not saying that you're a smart person. You could be a dummy and have a word of knowledge because it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the Holy Spirit giving you specific because some people confuse that and like, I have the gift of knowledge. I I have very good advice for people. That's I don't know what that means, but that's not talking about the gifts of the spirit. I'm talking about the word of knowledge. Well, you should talk to this guy. He's very wise. He walks in wisdom. What does that mean? I, I, I'm talking about right here, the word of wisdom. That doesn't mean that, some, that you're just a really wise person. That means that God has given you specific information to relay to somebody else that you would have had no way of knowing on your own. And so the gifts of the spirit, God wants you to be used in them. I can promise you that. And, there, and, and, and he may have more than one for you to be used in. It's as he wills. And it's so you can be a blessing and help other people out. You don't just get to choose which one. God's going to let you know. And God's going to start using you in it if you'll yield. I knew a girl that was a youth pastor. And she showed me this. She printed out this. Uh, basically, it was like a personality test. But it was about the gifts of the spirit. And she had her youth group fill in the answers to see which gifts, you know, that they wanted and which they found themselves most compatible. I'm like, this it's not like that. It's the, the, the Holy Spirit's going to bear witness. And, oh, I scored high in discernment. So I must mean I have the gift of discernment. I scored high in, in this. And, and uh, you know, it's not a it's not a pay. It's so much deeper than being able to just fill it out, fill in the bubbles and fill out where you're at. What it is, is you yield. To God's Holy Spirit, he comes in and uses you to change people's lives. Do you know how awesome it is to be used by God to help somebody else out? I know you guys know there's nothing greater in this world. You know, I I would rather be able to reach out and help somebody's life and get them on the right path to get one sinner to turn away from hell. Than to get all the money in this world, keep your money, keep your cars, keep that's fine. I don't need that stuff. That's fine. You know, whatever. But listen to me right now. When you can turn somebody from darkness to light, there's nothing greater in this world. And when you've done that, when you've been used to do that, you know what I'm talking about right now. And that makes you say, my God, I want to be used. in. I, I want to be used in the gifts of the spirit. I want to know which area that God would have for me to be used in in this. But you've got to be hungry. You've got to be willing to be used by God. And so you need to know this stuff is absolutely real. And it's absolutely life changing. You've got to be yielded to God and find out how God wants to use you in the gifts. Amen? I'm gonna, I would love to just, we could go, we just, there's so much more we could do, but we gotta end it right there. So let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
For more information, visit hdwc.org.